0: So, um, a few weeks ago, we uh, got to a passage of scripture that I looked at Luke like, what do you do with this? Like, what do you do with this? And I said, you know, it's almost your turn to preach. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you should probably preach this. And he was like, I'm not doing it. And I said, well, we don't really, like, we. you should do it. It's, it's next. And he's like, I'm skipping it. <laughs> Which I didn't tell him. Like, I skipped it the week before. <laughs> like, oh, that fits together. I'm not doing it. Um, and then I skipped it. He skipped it. And so then this week as I'm studying, I'm like, man, we've done a good job. Like, as a group, we've done a good job, like, taking it piece by piece. And the reason we go through a book is so that we can't get away from these areas to where we're like, "Eh, I don't think that applies to me. Step aside and, you know, maybe somebody else should deal with that. And so that's the reason we do it. That's why we go through scripture piece by piece. And sometimes we will skip through a portion if we've covered it in a previous book. Um, Or if we were on something topically that was similar recently, we will skip over a piece. But this was completely different. This was a piece to where we looked at it and we're like, no but our own rules have forced us back to this place so as I'm studying this week and I'm like am I, gonna, am I really going to preach on this because I don't want to like I don't want to preach on this and it seems disjointed do you have those friends that tell stories that do not have anything to do with the conversation that you were just having yeah you know to where you're just sitting there and you're talking and you're like then this happened and then this happened and then they're like I pet a ferret once and you're like what? It was just, it was it the thing? And it was a, it was a ferret, and I pet it. Uh, okay, sweet. Is there more to this? No, that's it. Okay. When I read this passage, that's what I thought to myself. I was like, okay, just how does it work? But here's what's cool. Last week, as Luke preached, I got to sit out and I got to just listen. As he's preaching, the rest of it is starting to make sense. Oh! See, for me, sometimes what happens is I get this tunnel vision, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool passage, and I'm not seeing anything going on around it. So as I got to have a little bit of distance on it, and as Luke preached, it made perfect sense. Then I wasn't scared of it. and I was able to kind of come to it and be like, okay, you're not so tough. You're not so confusing. We can, we can cover this. The topic is still weird. And in our day and age, it's super uncomfortable to talk about. But it's real. Now, we cover some pretty hard topics here. I remember one year we preached on divorce on Valentine's Day. And people were like, seriously? I'm like, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. The Lord lined us up. This is where it landed. Happy Valentine's Day. Whatever. You know, off they went. We've gone through the Song of Solomon several times to which people are like, Uh, I prefer you never do that again, ever again. Okay, well, yeah, unfortunately, we need to talk about this stuff. This is why this shouldn't cause this much of a stir, but it's uncomfortable. Let's read the passage. Then we'll try to uh, see how it fits in with the rest of the book, the rest of the chapter. We're in Luke chapter 11. If you remember, we talked about the man who was demon possessed and he was mute. And Jesus cast the spirit out of the man. And when he cast the spirit out of the man, the man began to speak again. And then all the people around them started saying things like, Give us a sign, show us a miracle. And Jesus said, No. And then their answer was, their response to this was, Well, it's because you cast out demons by the spirit of Satan or Beelzebub. And then. Luke's sermon last week was this the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah well that's interesting because Luke's sermon was on the sign of Jonah which if you remember he was swallowed by a fish and he was in the belly for three days which is supposed to give a picture of the cross, the death of Jesus and then the resurrection and so he says here's this gospel presentation right in the middle of it so that's hard for me, that's hard for me the disconnect is just kind of strange to me Jesus cast out a demon, which to most of us, if you've grown up in the Christian church or in a Baptist church or whatever, like when you think about somebody who casts out demons, you think like, there's preschool Christians, right? Or as Luke's dad used to say, sermonettes are for Christianettes who smoke cigarettes. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's, it makes me laugh, but it's, and so then there's like, oh, then there's mature Christians who, you know, they, they, they don't doubt their faith. They're on point. They do the right thing. They go to church. And then there's those people who are like advanced and kind of a little wacky and they're the ones that maybe cast out demons. And then we get to this, this level right here and then Jesus spins it back to the only sign I'm ever going to give you is going to be the resurrection. We go back to the gospel message, the basics of our Christianity, John 3:16, right? Go all the way back. Listen, you can't watch a football game without seeing John 3:16, right? Like this is... And we go all the way back here to the simple part. Why? That's interesting to me. And then Jesus just stops what he's doing. He gives the sign of Jonah in this deal. But right before he talks about the sign of Jonah, listen to this passage. He knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, How can his kingdom even stand? You're going to accuse me of casting out demons by the power of Satan. That doesn't even make sense. It'd be working against himself. That doesn't work. No kingdom works that way. But I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by then whom do your followers drive them out? That's one of those moments where everybody's like, oh, like that. Okay. So then they will be your judges If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then you'll know the kingdom of God has come onto you. Then Jesus gives this teaching, this just bizarre, strange teaching. Like he's like, "Do you want to know? You want to see it? All right, let me show it to you." And he grabs this curtain and he pulls it back. He's like, "This is the way it works. When a man has a demon cast out of him, it leaves." And it goes and it wanders around in the, and this is an interesting phrase, arid places or dry places, lonesome places. And it looks for a place to live after it has been cast out of a person. It goes around looking for a place to live. But then it says, I will return to my home. The man had previously come out of. And he gets to that man and he realizes it is swept clean. It is in order. And it is vacant. It is vacant. Then it says that the demon leaves again. And it goes and he finds seven more spirits, more evil than himself, to come back. And the final plight of the man is worse than before. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through the places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and it takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus, for the weirdness. You know, like, do any of you feel more spiritual now, or it's just kind of strange. Why? Why is this here? So as I ponder this thing and I think about it through the week, I'm like, what's the what's the thing inside of it? where it just all kind of pivots or swivels? What is the thing? And here's the word that I came up with. Vacant. Vacant. You see, we've talked about this before. You want to know what the given in life is? Here's the given. If you don't know this, this is going to be life-shattering for you. At some point in your life, the wheels are going to fall off. Ta-da! If you didn't know that, sorry but it's gonna happen this is what life is we live on a cursed earth and the wheels on the bus are gonna fall off so what happens we're all gonna go through things that are just hard and terrible this is the way life is this is the way life is made and see when that happens we have a couple of options we can respond by what a I'm gonna climb into this bottle and I'm never coming out. I'm gonna climb into this relationship and I'm never coming out. I'm gonna climb into this debt and I'm never coming out. I'm gonna climb into this hobby and I'm never coming out because the world isn't safe, so I'm gonna build up all of these parameters around me because I was hurt one time, that means no one can be trusted. That's one option. The other option is this. You buck up, you get up, and you move on. You buck up, you get up, and you move on. You see, there's this phenomenon that's going on in our world right now to where self-help books, self-help books, self-help podcasts, little inspirational sayings of the day, will be emailed directly to your little email box, and you can just turn your frown upside down right this second. And you can read it, and you can be like, you know what, that's true. Benjamin Franklin was right. You know? That's what you can do. That's true. That's that's so good. I do. Vince Lombardi's right. You know? Like, this is what we do. And we get over this thing, and then we're like, okay, okay. Now I'm going to do things right. And see, do you know what the picture is? Here's the picture. The old habit left. The hurt, it came in. It got you. You got gobbled up. But then you did something really amazing. You bucked up. You got up. You started moving forward. Meaning, you took these spirits and these these habits, and you push them out of your life. you got yourself a support group. You stood up and you were like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. And you look better, you act better, you feel better. And see, all of us have been in this place to where we're like, you know what? I'm not living like this anymore. I'm getting rid of these friends. I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm boxing this part of my life out. I'm not going back to this. And then we step over and we start a brand new track. Here we go. And you know what? If you've done that, congratulations. That's super it takes a lot of hard work to do that, but you know what that means? You still didn't move anybody else into that vacant area, did you? It's all self-will. I'm doing this thing myself. Didn't you do it yourself last time? And uh, how you got there last time? Uh, you could probably expect you to get yourself there again. You swept it clean. You evicted all of the other things out of your life. You put it all in order, and it's beautiful, and you like to stand at the doorway and be like, you know what, my life is, it's together. And then eventually something happens, doesn't it? Something happens. You're on the right track. You're moving in the right direction. Oh, I'm doing it this time. I am a giant champion. I am so proud of myself, I'm saying. And then something unfolds in your life, And how in the world did you get worse than before? Right? Life is pretty hard sometimes. Do you remember the first time you came to the conclusion in your mind? I I remember I remember when this happened. I was newly married life is good my wife is a peach i'm complicated she's pretty i'm not so good looking she's tall i'm not so okay like it like she's good but we got in an argument and we couldn't get it resolved and i had the thought for the first time ever in my life huh this is why this is why right This is why people leave and don't come back. This is why fill in the blank. This is why. Every one of us who has children will have this moment in our life to where we realize our children are outside of our grasp. They're outside of our grasp. Where God put them in our hands... And we could, we could hold them and mold them and we could do whatever we wanted to with them. But then this time came to where we had to go, okay, yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. And then we begin to doubt every single thing we've ever said and done, right? Like, how are you at parenting? Oh, I'm super at it. My daughter's only 13 right now. My oldest is only 13. I can't wait till she's older because you know what? Then I'm gonna be terrible at parenting. How are you at parenting? I'm super good. I'm super good. And under her 16th birthday, I'm like, I'm bad at it, I don't know anything. I should have read a book, you know? I don't have any idea what I'm doing. But here's the interesting part is neither did my dad. Right? And neither did his dad. And neither did but yet I'm pretty sure I got it figured out. I mean my whole genealogy didn't, but I think I'm, really? I'm quite sure I'm not the smartest one who's ever come out of my bloodline. Quite sure. We come to a place to where life all of a sudden beats us up, it gets ahead of us, it stands in front of us like this enormous giant and says, what do you got about this? And you're like, I got nothing. What kind of inspiring sayings you got to get past this? Here, here uh, Jared, what do you got? I got Nothing. And then there's those days to where there's not enough inspiring things in the world to drag you out of bed, to make you open your eyes. Like there's just not enough. Life is too big and you cannot do it. Marriage is too hard to do on your own. Raising children is too impossible to do without Jesus. But don't worry, I've got Benjamin Franklin quotes. Oh, superb, your kids are gonna be great. That's it. No, it's still vacant. Yes, you've taken the bad things and you've you've pushed them outside the boundaries. You started your life over and now you're moving forward. But did you move anybody else inside to help you walk down this road? No, I like to do it myself. I'm a do-it-myself guy. Okay, well, you're about to do it by yourself um, at the back of the line down the garbage heap because you don't get to do it by yourself. You just don't because that's a terrible plan. It's not going to work. Well, I don't know. I just really don't like people. Well, most people probably don't like you, but that's okay, it doesn't matter. I mean, but you don't get to do it by yourself. Well, I just think religion is a crutch. Well, you're probably going to need a crutch because in a minute, I'm sure life is going to break both your legs. Like, it's gonna, this is just it. If you don't move something in, And it says when the spirits come back, when the spirit comes back, he sees that it is swept clean. Super. It's in order. Great job. And it is vacant. You know know what blows my mind? I mean, I know it's not like anything mysterious, but if you build a brand new house, a brand new house, Plumb it, put central heat and air, nice roof, insulate it well, move furniture into it, and then you don't move into it for five years, what's going to happen to that house when you go to move into it? You know. Listen, you could go to your house right now and try to take the wallpaper off of your wall right now, and it will take you the rest of your life to get it off, right? But if you leave a house empty, oh, it'll just fall right off. You've walked into houses and you were like, how did the wallpaper come off like that? It just does. That's what happens. It just comes off. No one lives there. Why? Because it's vacant. It has a purpose. You see, when you heat it and you cool it, and you hold out the moisture and you hold out the heat, and the inside of the house doesn't change, other things don't change. It just gets healthy. It operates the way it's supposed to operate. It stays together. It stays whole because somebody lives there but you're no different you're no different when you stand there empty on the inside although you've got a really good plan and you've got goals and you've got a day timer and you've got alarms and calendars and alerts and all sorts of things that keep your life in order and you've got this inspiring sayings that come up on your screensaver super at the end of the day if it's vacant it's falling apart it's falling apart why does Jesus bring this up right here, right now, in the midst of all the controversy? Why does he bring this up? Here's why. Because if you do not move Jesus into the heart of your being, you will crumble. Do you not understand? Check this out. There is not, and I stand by this, I stand by this statement, no matter how. No matter who you know or how insane this sounds, marriage is too hard. It is too hard to stay together and be married without Jesus. It's too hard. Can you tell by the tone of my voice I'm speaking from experience? It's too hard. If she does not have Jesus fueling her, she cannot love me. I am impossible. I'm impossible it's too hard oh yeah you can have a tolerable marriage and you can even stay together but that's not the design the design wasn't to be roommates with somebody of the opposite sex and be like whatever whatever you want to eat at Applebee's or do you want to eat at like timber timber timberland steakhouse like yeah I don't care I don't care either I don't care you know what this is the problem with you do you want to get a divorce? No, I don't want to get a divorce. That's going to cost way too much money. Let's just go home and eat. You can have a tolerable, still-together marriage, but that is not the design. The design is to create this thing, this institution that teaches you and her about the nature of God, and you exemplify the nature of God to her, and she exemplifies the nature of God to you, and you create this environment to where your kids grow up being able to see both sides of God inside of their home. It's too hard. If you don't have Jesus, too hard. See, here's a problem, and I need to just admit this uh, to you. Here's a problem I have with 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 church and and theology and Christian talk, and it's this. I hate it when People talk about Christianity like, well, at least someday we'll get to go to heaven. Here's why. Because I feel like that when I go to Pizza Hut, where I make my order, and then it seems like I'm in restaurant purgatory waiting for the food to come at some point in my life. And it's not just there. I'm just a hungry guy everywhere. Like how long does it take? You knew I was coming. You're a restaurant, right? I should walk in and be like, I'll have this and then it's here. That's the way my mind works. I don't want to wait. I don't want it for later. Do you want your salad now? Do you want it later? But if you have food, bring it here. And when it comes to Christianity, this is the way I view it as well. Hey, don't worry. Just keep doing all those good, nice things even though you're not getting anything from it right now because someday we get to go to heaven. I'm not interested. (laughs) Give me something now. I need to know. Like We're walking together. Like I need some encouragement. If you know me and know how I'm wired, I can't do this by myself. You better stand beside me and be like, hey, good job, little champion. And I can be like, thanks a lot, Jesus. This is really hard, you know? This is the kind of conversations I need in my life. You see, the number one thing that I realize is this. The reason you must put Jesus into your life is this right here, hope. Here's where hope makes a world of difference for me. When me and my wife get in an argument, which we do, good ones. I won't go into them, but they are, some of them are hilarious and I don't remember why we were fighting on the other ones, right? We got in this argument. And so I think to myself, the hope that comes with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, residing inside of me and residing inside of her. Here's the hope. That as I walk away from the argument, I know what God is saying to me. Jerry. Jerry. And men, let me let me put it on you too. He's saying this to you as well. God ordained you to be the leader, the spiritual leader of your home. He's putting this heavy hand on you as well. Go apologize. Make it right. Oh, heck no. (laughs) Heck no. Ain't happening. I didn't do anything wrong. To which I hear Jesus say, neither did I. Mm. Always with that cross thing always coming at me with, I didn't do anything wrong either. But this is what we do. We go make right. We go reconcile. You become the sacrificial lamb. You put you on the altar in her place. Oh, she is mean, Jesus. Mean, and I'm so fragile on my ego. she's so brutal with it, you know? He's like, "Go, say sorry. And see, my hope is this. Here's my hope that if Jesus deals with me this way, then He's dealing with her this way too. He is preparing her heart, He is softening her heart. He is making inroads for her. She's talking to her friends. You're not going to believe what my idiot husband did. Oh, I know, I've got one, the same model at my house, you know and these conversations. And there's these inroads that are happening so that when I show up, she's already there. And my faith is this, my hope is while God is dealing with me, he's dealing with her and that becomes my prayer. Although the other day we got in this little spat and she made the comment, I said something to her and she didn't respond. And she just kept going about her business and I'm like, she's not talking to me? Like this is childish, all right? I'm we're standing in a room in the same room and I ask a question and she's not even talking to me to which, then she stops and she turns around and this is a serious story. She turns and looks at me and she goes, oh, were you talking to me? I'm sorry. I was busy talking to the Lord about you. <laughs> Don't talk to the Lord about me. <laughs> What's wrong with you? My hope is this. Christianity does not hold off for a someday date when Jesus comes back to save us. My Christianity holds to this value of there's hope right now that I can get through what I'm going through right now. And I need that at my house because I'm insane and she's really organized. You know? And she's got nice coloring sheets and I got two black crayons. Like, you know? It's just, it's hard. And my hope Holds out. You see, we go through things in life with our kids, with our friendships, with our relationships, with work, with our health, and our hope has to hold out that although right now the circumstances seem bleak, he's with me. He's with me. This is working out. This is working out. And it feels delusional and it sounds delusional, but it's true. When I've taken myself and I've submitted myself to Jesus Christ, and I've been obedient to what he's asked, I can only expect that. And here's where it ties in that passage of Scripture. When we start talking about, even though you, you yo, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. If your son comes up and says, can I have an egg? Would you pull the scorpion out of your pocket and be like, eat that? No. If he asks for bread or if he asks for fish, would you throw him a snake? No. And then the verse says in the Gospel of Luke, right here in chapter 11, then how much more if you go to your father in heaven, will he give you, and I'm waiting on the great phrase to where it says, whatever you want. And he says, the Holy Spirit. Hmm? The, I was thinking more like a Christmas list and you're thinking more like something spiritual. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have hope. And even in the darkest, most demonic days of, the, of your entire life, you can have hope. You know what? It's going to be okay. And if it's not going to be okay, you're going to make my heart okay. You'll calm the storm or you'll calm me. It's going to be okay. Here's the second reason why. Grace. This is why the indwelling Holy Spirit making the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. What Acts 2 says is, we receive the forgiveness of our sins And the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's an odd way to say it, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know who convicts you of your sins? The Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas. Do you feel bad about doing things bad? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. That's my gift to you. Wish I didn't have it. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But that's the phrase. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because not only do we get hope, but we get grace. We get grace. Grace. My oldest daughter is learning how to drive. Grace. Here's the phrase that I always say when she's at the wheel. We'll be on like the driveway or the road in front of our house. Get me out of the ditch, please. Get me out of the... Over, please. Over. Out of the mailbox. Over. Over. And I have to like check myself on this whole deal because it's like, uh, oh, oh, if you were a guy, punch right in the, mm, mm, yeah, that's a bad deal. This is scary, you know, grace. Why? Because when you're just learning how to do something, it's kind of hard. When you learn how to navigate through this life, it's kind of hard. When you learn how to have relationships and you know that you need grace in them, guess what? For all you control freaks out there, let me give you a little bit of information. We don't have to, you don't have to, we don't have to do what you say. You're not my boss, applesauce. You don't like it? I don't care. That's just the way it works. Because that's just it. You can do whatever you want to do. People can act however they want to act. You be you, I'll be me. But what happens is we get in these relationships sometimes to where it needs more grace. Like, oh, every single thing about this person, irks me. Grace. Because I'm quite sure there was many, 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 many things about Jared that upon the cross could have came as the number one, number two, number one through a thousand reasons why Jesus should not sacrifice his life for me. He will trample all over every single thing I've done for him. If I lay down my life, he will not appreciate it. It's kind of like kids, really. Kids grow up And they say things like this whoa stuff is expensive and you're like you're an idiot of course it's expensive no wonder you said that it's true i've shared this with you before there was this clear phone call that i had to make to my dad one time i had this friend we just bought our first house and so we're i mowed my lawn down real nice and, and, and I got a little carried away, and I put the cool lines, the checker pattern lines. I was like, it's just a little bitty yard. I thought, I'll just try it out. I was so excited. I would stand on the porch and be like, this is a nice lawn. And my friend came to, comes to see me. And instead of parking on the road like a normal human being, he parks in my yard. I'm like, who does that? Then all of a sudden, I remembered this conversation to where my dad came in, and he's like, hey you park in the yard and I was like yeah what's the problem I like, Why don't want you parking in the yard. get out of the yard and I was like what a weirdo you know <laughs> I went off this guy parks in my yard and immediately I'm like hey you... <laughs> yeah hey dad um sorry I parked in your yard <laughs> got this idiot who just parked in my yard that sucks it doesn't it yeah it does yeah, sorry, I was, sorry I was him. Yeah. All right, bye. You're an idiot. Get out of my yard. But this is the way grace. We need grace in our relationships. Christ has shown us so much grace. Not overlooking our sins, looking directly at them and saying, if you do not have grace, you'll never get past them. I understand my grace is sufficient for you he tells the Apostle Paul Lord take this problem away from me he says I asked three times take this problem away from me what does the Lord say nah well that doesn't make any sense don't you know that if you get your sins taken away and your problems taken away you'd be more gooder for God makes sense right except that he's not interested in you being more gooder for God. You know what he's interested in? You're relying on him. Yeah, but I kind of want to show you how strong I am. And that's kind of what your problem is. I need you to rely on me. No. My grace is sufficient for you. We can navigate this little problem area that you think is the world's worst thing ever. We can navigate this thing so long as you stay with me. My grace is sufficient for you. See, my third one is this. If we do not have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then the places that we spend our time and with the people that we spend our time can really get convoluted and confusing. It can cross us up and it can mess us up. Because see, some of us, we come from a place to where we didn't really have a whole lot of hope. You were born into a crappy situation with crappy parents, you were dealt crappy cards, and then all of a sudden you made something of your life and it's kind of like, never again. I'm never again gonna trust. I'll do it by myself from this point forward. Why? Because biological family is not safe. Oh, really? It's not safe. There's some of you, you come from that. And it's a reality, isn't it? It's a reality. But you know, you realize that within Christianity, God said, there's no way in the world you're gonna be without family. See, the third thing he gives us, not only hope, not grace, but community. You have other people with whom they believe everything about your heavenly father that you believe. They believe everything about your brother Jesus, his son, that you believe. And while the Holy Spirit is inside of you saying, here's what we ought to do, the Holy Spirit is inside of them saying, here's what we ought to do. And while it's in you saying, you know what, maybe we need to change this aspect of our life. It's doing the same thing in other people's lives. And you've got community. You see, then we live differently. Then people who've never had family, who've never experienced what, what a grace is and what hope is, they come over and they experience community for the first time ever. We desperately need to be connected to one another. The reason why is this: because there's strength in numbers. You bear the burdens of those who are around you. Have you ever had that situation to where you are just heavy? You just feel heavy, and then all of a sudden somebody shows up or somebody calls and you don't even mention what's going on in your life. They're just with you, and instantly, you're better. You just feel better. Why is that? Because there's this thing inside of us that just knows, that just understands the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of them, that just understands he's in a bad place, and all this is going on on a a subterranean level. You don't even witness it it begins to change him and it begins to change you and you begin to think to yourself like i'm so glad we're connected for the first time my mind is beginning to open up to the idea that i can open my heart to other people and that it's safe why because of the indwelling holy spirit because of the indwelling holy spirit see we need to take an opportunity right now spend just a minute in prayer If you've never made a decision for Jesus, if you've never got to that place to where you've said, I need Jesus to be the